Hello. Welcome back. Episode two of Pushing 20 (laughs) with Sophie and Rachel. Welcome back. We're so happy to be back here. Um, It's been a really crazy past two weeks and hopefully uh, we can touch on some of what's happened and give you guys sort of an hour of relaxation, listen to an advice podcast, put your feet up, put on a face mask. You don't have to think about the fires and everything else. We are just two confused Gen Z girls trying to figure out the world. I actually was on TikTok the other day, which I am quickly becoming so addicted to. I had to put a limit on my phone, (laughs) but a time limit because I spend like probably four hours a day on TikTok. And I realized I saw something about being a zillennial and I think I've never identified with something more because I we're not Gen. I know we are Gen Z, but I just do not identify with Gen Zers nor millennials. But that middle yeah, ground, I understand, of Tamagotchis and mm-hmm. um, I don't know silly bands. Yeah, we were born in two thousand, so we're like right at the cusp. I feel like yeah, so maybe zillennial. Um, so today, before we get started, we wanted to acknowledge the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, she passed away just a few hours before we're recording this, and we just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge everything she's done for women in the United States and the legacy that she leaves. We understand that the political climate right now, as we touched on in our last episode, is tumultuous and uncertain and frightening. Um, and, you know, her passing brings on more uncertainty and more fear I think in everybody but the least we can do in this moment I think is acknowledge her contribution and hopefully hopefully carry it on somewhere better in the future yeah I really hope that um that a different president can can pick the next supreme court judge I'm not sure how it works but she will be missed she's really incredible and I looked up to her Mm mm-hmm and um, people like her and AOC really make me want to go into politics. Yeah. And to try to make a difference. They also make me feel spoken for and safe as a young woman in America right now. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, that brings us into our topic of the day. Um, we wanted to kind of continue this conversation of womanhood and femininity, um, you know, in acknowledging the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And talk a bit about womanhood and our experience with it um, as zillennials, I guess, <laughs> about, uh, yeah, just how we've come into this world of being a young woman. I think something, you know, that's especially becoming a bigger aspect of our experience is our womanhood as we are actually becoming adults and interacting with the world as young women, not just as like children or teenagers Um, But Mm. as independent young women in education and higher education, entering the workforce, in all of those ways that I think being a woman is relevant to one's experience, all of those who identify as women. So we're going to talk about uh, some of those topics and answer some (laughs) questions that we found relating to womanhood um, from our lovely internet strangers. Today we are referencing the subreddit r slash askwomen. Um, among other uh, feminine-related subreddits to broaden our experience, open your eyes to the wonderful world of womanhood <laughs> in the 21st century. Yeah. Yeah, as, as two girls who became women in 
only two years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've always been girls, though. But I, I think, yeah, the experience of womanhood kind of speaks to something bigger. Be transforming into a woman at 18, yeah. <laughs> even though we still feel like girls. Yeah, well, because um, I also think, you know, they're just the identity of being a woman is, like, transcends yeah. your... Um, you know what I mean? Transcends your, like, physicality and is something that you deal with socioeconomically, politically. So, we're going to start lighthearted. I found some funny kind of lighthearted questions that aren't too heavy because we, you know, we've all had a a lot of heavy news over the past few weeks. Um, So, the first one is kind of related to both of us, which is to women who don't shower every day, what is your reason? (laughs) And I want to clarify, I do... Oh, the question is... What? (laughs) They asked, what is your reason? We don't have to have a reason. Why do you shower every day? That's what I want to know. It dries out your skin and your hair. Mm -hmm. My dermatologist explicitly told me, don't shower every day. You have dry skin. Yeah, yeah. I, I, okay, I do shower pretty much every day, but washing my hair is an experience that I save for once a week. Mm. I wash my hair once a week, and that, I think, is like the best advice I could give to anybody to have healthy hair especially if you have longer hair like I do I have very long hair and yeah yeah wash it once a week only shampoo the roots and only condition the ends totally and deep condition afterwards argan oil only air dry and I don't even use towels on my hair I only use t-shirts oh that's interesting because towels cause it, I mean, it depends if you have wavy, like, frizzier hair, which I do, but Sophie doesn't. Towels cause a lot of friction, and so it makes your hair, like, puff up. Oh. So if you want to try to keep more of, like, the curl pattern intact, you have mm-hmm. to use t-shirts. I actually, I stopped make doing the, like, towel thing where you wrap it up and put it on top of your head. Yeah, apparently that's really yeah, bad for I got hair. nervous about tension alopecia. So yeah. Now. Oh my god! I guess so, every time I put a ponytail up, yeah. I'm like, even though my hair is short, I'm and it's, hair like up. it's not gonna happen. Yeah, I like I now I like wrap it in a towel, like and then I just hold it, yeah. like with my hand. I like wrap the ends in a towel, and then I just let the top dry normally. And then argan oil when it's damp, that is a lifesaver for me, especially I think long hair too. Yeah, your ends are so dead. Argan oil is amazing. Um, but yeah, don't don't wash your hair every single day and the reason I get very frustrated about this because I have friends who do wash their hair every day and they are like oh it's disgusting that you don't wash your hair every day and I'm like well actually really yeah they think it's odd and actually washing your hair if you wash your hair every day you will have to keep doing that because you're stripping your hair of its oils every single day and then it's overproducing oil so of course it gets greasy after like two days but I encourage everybody during our time inside in this quarantine to train your hair to gradually you know lengthen the time between your hair washes and that will help train your hair to not overproduce oils so you will be able to go more days without washing it side note the same thing applies to your face Mm -hmm. so a lot of people think oh my skin is so oily so i'm gonna wash it with this really harsh you know like harsh facial wash like i don't know maybe there's salicylic acid maybe there's like a sulfate in it whatever foaming face wash which you're not supposed to use you're supposed to use something more delicate and then because they've used this really harsh wash it stripped their face of oils and then their face over produces oil to make up for it and then they do the harsh wash and it's like this cyclical thing mm-hmm. and most of those people actually don't have oily skin they just are using really harsh products oh. 
like a lot a lot of people if you think you have oily skin but it also feels kind of tight you might have dry skin but you just are not washing your face properly mm-hmm. yeah so i i definitely did that in like middle school i definitely used yeah. like the harsh <laughs> face washes and it has been a lifesaver changing my skin routine to not include so many <laughs> harsh face washes I certainly feel like, you know, in middle school, I feel like I started getting breakouts when I was 12 or something, and so I thought because I started early, I would end early. I'm 20, and I still get so many breakouts, and I don't have them under control. I've been trying to get them under control for eight years. Like, I still don't know what products work for me, but I do know not to use foaming cleansers, mm. and that if I think my skin's oily, it's probably not. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I'm having breakouts. I'm having a horrific breakout of hormonal acne on my forehead. That's advice that we need. Anybody knows how to... I know. Please tell me. Deal with acne once and for all. I know in those photos I was looking at of us when we were like 13 in eighth grade, I was like, oh, I had the same breakouts I have now. Mm-hmm. I think mine in some ways have <laughs> anyway. gotten worse. Some ways better. I have less, few, I have really? fewer whiteheads, but I have more like little bumps all over the place. Um, and I also, I used to get blackheads in middle school, but I haven't gotten a blackhead, like, since middle school, probably. I, I never get blackheads. That's great. But those, like, little bumps that you get, oh, yeah, I get those. <laughs> um, so, okay, kind of similar, I question to this one, also kind of lighthearted a bit with, like, our uh, bodies and stuff, is our general views on body hair. I saw a lot of questions about body hair. I think a lot of them were coming from men (laughs) um about like (laughs) how we feel about our body hair or um maybe other questions from other women about like what you do about your body hair um so how do you feel about body hair (laughs) Rachel yeah I mean you know I think that I was raised in a community with a good amount of Jews and Persian students and I was friend as a Jew as a young Jewish girl. I was friends with a lot of young Jewish girls, and also have a lot of Persian friends. Um, and we would talk about even from when I was little, feeling like ugly in comparison to these like beautiful blonde girls without any body hair. And I would talk to my friends about like when we were eleven onward about like starting to shave before any other girls because we felt insecure about our body hair, feeling scared about being in bikinis, like, all these different things, and, you know, I, I remember when I was in, I think, the second grade, I remember sitting around, like, all these blonde girls, and no one had body hair by the second grade, except for I did, and I had it on my arms, and I remember once it, like, dawned on me that these other girls didn't have it, and I took, like, those little kid scissors, and I cut my arm hair with them. Oh my god. Which at the time I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm this little kid doing this thing and I look back on it and I'm like, how young can you really be to be insecure about body hair? Yeah. Really young. And it's always been something that it's like my biggest insecurity for some reason above a lot of girls. I mean, everyone has their own insecurity. Um, A lot of the girls I know are insecure about their weight. I'm less insecure about my weight and more insecure about body hair. I always Mm -hmm. have been. And I've always felt like because I'm Jewish and I have a certain type of, not that all Jews have this, but it's kind of, a lot of Jews have like, kind of like thick, coarse hair. 
I've always felt insecure about it, but I've also had partners I've been with who've said, like, my favorite thing about you is that your hair is, like, so coarse and brown and whatever, so not necessarily body hair, but... So I think I have a really complicated relationship with it. Mm -hmm. I try really hard to... I think that it could be really easy for me to say, this is an insecurity, so I'm just going to shave it all off, and then I'll get rid of the insecurity, but the truth is, I feel like that's a cop-out in my case, and I would rather learn to live with it and be comfortable having body hair and not shaving you know I shave my legs super infrequently I've never shaved my arms whatever and I don't want to because I want to be comfortable just being myself and natural and like not have to keep shaving to feel comfortable in my own body and I think of little girls like me and you know I think a lot of women when we were little girls were had insecurities that then they worked really hard to fix so that little girls never saw women like not wearing makeup or with hairy legs and so little girls then thought I'll be really ugly if I don't shave my legs and I want to do the opposite for little girls I want them to see me and be like oh I can just be myself and that woman has it and so I can do that too and I'll be fine Mm -hmm. so I try to think of I do the same thing with makeup I try to think of like how will young girls see me and think about themselves from seeing me Mm. and then I act accordingly so that's why I don't shower enough (laughs) because I don't want to be too clean and make them think that they have to shower every day I mean that's unreasonable (laughs) come full circle with the showering that's interesting that you had I remember um in middle school you know being concerned about body hair and kind of I remember Mm -hmm. us like shaving a lot um oh my gosh we shaved our legs like every few days or something in middle school and now I I do it my legs twice a month maybe I haven't shaved my legs since I've gone to college three weeks ago yeah now I do it like every two weeks um and I I have I had a kind of different experience because I have fair hair I have like kind of Mm -hmm. blonder hair um and I was never insecure about my hair until I had people point out I had a lot of hair on my arms you know some people are just like genetically born with hairless arms (laughs) it's actually evil when people pointed I remember my stepbrother once in the pool was like you have really hairy arms and I was like you don't understand what you have just done by saying that (laughs) I will never forget that (laughs) you've made a grave mistake and now I'm gonna think about this yeah I had um like a lot of people point out the hair on my arms and I've to this day I haven't touched it and I probably never will because I don't care enough um and I've also been like pretty good about only shaving my legs and stuff when I want Mm -hmm. to um yeah because I do like having soft legs. I know some some women don't mind having leg hair and they just let it grow out. But I just I personally like how it feels to have soft legs. It makes me feel makes me feel uh, nice. I don't know. Like, like a the way seal. That my, like my a pants feel when it's you put so on nice. legs. Put sweats over shaved yeah. legs. Oh is my god. Like you're in like a creamy bath or something yeah and also shaving my legs is such a task and such a chore it makes me feel like almost productive like if that's the only thing I do all day I'm like (laughs) I did it I did something productive because it's such a it takes me forever I'm so particular about shaving my legs but yeah I guess in like in that sense I was kind of um I don't want to say like lucky because I don't have like body hair is wonderful and we shouldn't be ashamed of it but I didn't have to deal with the same amount of like um, I don't know, bullying or attention, negative attention because of my body hair. Um, <laughs> I definitely had a thing about like the guys I liked were always had less body hair than me and it always made me feel oh. like less feminine. And so hmm. I know like when I started dating the guy who I've been dating for two years, 
I was like so relieved because he's kind of he's like hair in his chest or whatever and I was like thank god he's like (laughs) slightly hairier than I am and I think a lot of people you know like certain people want to feel like more feminine or dainty or whatever and I don't know that's one of the things that I (laughs) not that I look for in a man but just that I always take note of is like you want a man who feels dainty or you want to feel dainty I just I mean I tend to like oddly I'm like really like blonde guys and so I all the guys I like never have less body hair than me and it's like a big bummer but it would be great if I found a blonde guy who also had like a ton of body hair (laughs) I don't know Mm -hmm. that's interesting (laughs) it's you made an interesting observation which is I think at the core of this topic that having more body hair makes you feel less feminine yeah that's the Um, problem or like what I've always heard my whole life is that it's dirty or like unhygienic which makes no sense because if you're showering there's no way that it's unhygienic the other thing is body hair in a lot of the places we have body hair we have it there exactly because it helps with hygiene Mm -hmm. and so it's just silly like if you think about pubic hair it's literally there to keep dirt from getting in and to keep other things from getting in and so I just (laughs) it just is a complete lie we've made up because partially I think because of the porn industry and because Mm -hmm. well you know history of men being attracted to these kids yeah and totally women trying to look younger and more vulnerable and like these young girls who don't have any hair when that's just not what a woman looks like and that ties in hand with our our beauty standards of being like skinny and not I mean right now there's kind of the two beauty scanners there's like that the very curvy whatever Kim Kardashian everything's fake which is Mm -hmm. also on comes from porn and also comes from exploiting certain certain things but there's also like the she looks 17 yeah (laughs) she looks 14 the fact that like the one beauty standard that seems to stick around regardless of what else is going on contextually in society is this very like thin small framed maybe Mm -hmm. even small um you know smaller breasts and completely hairless like short like yeah like women like that is like i'm like that's a child (laughs) that is you're saying is yeah you want to have sex with a child it's also really normalized for guys to be like call me when you're 18 or yeah exactly oh she's so hot well she's in high school so it's not that big of a deal or whatever yeah and this this kind of um, goes into a different question that I saw, which I thought was kind of funny and I thought we could answer, but it, it also kind of freaks me out because the question was, women who look like children, how do you choose a partner? <laughs> and uh, Rachel and I look quite young for our age. <laughs> Rachel probably looks more her age than I do. I look like I'm 14 years old. <laughs> I think um, we look about the same age, and I don't think you look 14. We both 16. look 17. Okay, okay. 16. <laughs> okay. Oh. 16 we both look 16 which is about four years younger than we actually are which is fine and people always tell me that I'm gonna be grateful for it um at the moment I'm not grateful for it because people legitimately believe that I'm 16 and then they talk to me like I'm 16 and when I am approached by older older gentlemen like you know I mean older gentlemen it freaks me out a little bit because I do look so young like do you think that I am freshly 18 do you which you know wasn't that long ago but still like you know what I mean is I don't know if this is necessarily a rational concern but it is in my my mind sometimes when I'm like are you you are a 40 maybe 30 40 50 year old man approaching me 
and I, you, I could be 16, very easily, I could be 16, like, and that is kind of unsettling to me when that happens, you know what I mean, like, I guess some younger girls look older for their age, and maybe that's a different conversation, and I can't necessarily speak to that experience, but definitely uh, makes me feel weird knowing that I look so young when older, older men approach me. Yeah, I mean, it's super messed up, it would make Mm -hmm. me uncomfortable, yeah, the idea of even if they knew you were 20 and they're 30 years older than you, it's still weird. It's even worse that you look like a minor. Yeah, yeah, no, just especially because I look like a minor, which is why I'm, like, like selective, I guess, about the age of my partners right now. Just because I, I have this really young appearance. The second, uh, like, h- half of this question is odd. How do you choose a partner? I don't really understand what when the point you, was, but... Hmm, when you look young, how do you choose a partner? I mean, I hope that my personality and my maturity <laughs> shows that I am indeed the age I say I am, or the fact that I'm a, in a, a university student, and I yeah. mainly the people that I pursue or date are other university students. <laughs> so the selection pool is a little bit. I think my 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 top my cap for age I would currently date is probably like twenty four, twenty five. Even twenty five is kind of pushing it. I feel like my cap is twenty three. Really. Oh, now I feel like maybe I should have said that. I mean, I haven't had to think about that in a while, and I still don't really need to think about that, but I, I mean, I, in my mind, once you leave college, obviously I'm close friends with someone who's 23, but at the same time, I think once you leave college, your life really changes, and you probably mature in lots of ways that you do not while in college, and it might be, Mm -hmm. there might be a big disconnect to date someone who's not in college. Yeah, that that's that's how I f- see it too. And also like I can't even go to a bar yet, which is <laughs> I think a bit I feel like that's a big social thing that you do once you're 21 or in your yeah. 20s after you graduate college is like meeting someone at a bar, going on the date at the bar. And I can't even do that, and that's kind of embarrassing. I don't, I don't know. know if that actually happens or if it only happens in like how I met your mother and like sitcoms <laughs> and stuff. I feel like it happens. I cannot well, imagine maybe not people, like trusting someone people... I meet at a bar like I want to meet someone at in a bookstore I don't want to meet someone at a yeah. bar when I'm no, like, not like meeting up. someone I didn't mean like meeting someone at the first time for a bar but I mean at, at the bar but oh. I mean like um like go to a date at a you, bar yeah like you you go to like that's where you go because it's an easy place to go uh, if you're in your 20s it's like a thing to do where you can just talk I, that's always been my association with what <laughs> young you know with what 20 year olds do socially or if they're going on a date is <laughs> to go to a bar yeah a group of girls going to a bar together that leads into a question i have from the internet Ooh, yay <laughs> um why do i never seem to get along with girl groups someone's asks and i'm sorry Ooh. to whoever asked that because i think we're going to say some sassy things in response yep very opinionated about this so i guess this question automat immediately makes me think of kind of the the saying I've heard many times in my life I'm not like other girls oh god that is a zillennial phrase (laughs) yeah it is a zillennial phrase because millennials are like I am like other girls and we all suck and z I was gonna say zers gen zers zers (laughs) 
clearly I'm not one of them. Jen's <laughs> years are like, that phrase is part of the patriarchy, which is what I agree with, makes me feel more yeah. Gen Z. Because when you say I'm not like other girls, what you're saying is there's something wrong with most girls, which mm-hmm. is super messed up if you really think about it. Like, the idea that you, in order to be cool and likable, you have to be different from all women. Yeah. Or that you that, have to be, like, masculine. That you have to be, like, yeah, a man <laughs> that you to have be likable. not like women, but instead like the men who are superior and better. I mean, it, it falls apart the second you look at this phrase. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Furthermore, I've heard a lot of girls say that they just can't be friends with women and that women are, like, have so much drama and there's so much work. It's really hard to make friends with women. And... That, to me, is almost equally as bad because it's assuming that all women are one way that we're all dramatic or bitchy. I've heard so many women call other women bitchy, and that's why they can't be friends with them. And Mm -hmm. the word bitch itself is, like, patriarchal and exists to put down women or to compare men and say men are bitchy in order to to put down men by comparing them to a woman that means they're worse. It really upsets me when women say... I can't get along with other women because I'm not like them because I'm different or just in general, I don't like women. I like having male friends because it's not like all women are one type of way that you don't get along with. It's, I mean, it's putting them in one very specific, um, small category and taking away kind of their humanity in a way to be more and to be bigger and to be different. So I think why do you never seem to get along with girl groups? I think your number one problem might be that you are (laughs) assuming that they're all... I mean, maybe I'm attacking this person for no reason and they're literally like, I just want to make friends. Rachel, help me make friends. And I'm just attacking Mm -hmm. them. I... So first of all, I just wanted to touch on something you said, which was that these are things like bitchy and, you know, dramatic or sensitive or whatever, these are all insults that historically have been thrown at women by men, like, to put yeah. down women. And so now it's, like, it's it's disheartening to see those being thrown amongst women because we already have men to put us down for those things. And they do it because they're like, well, men have told me women suck, so because women suck, I'm just not going to be like them and yeah, I'm going like, to agree why that women suck. Yeah, male approval so much? And... What I think of when I hear the phrase, I'm not like other girls, is internalized misogyny. Yes. (laughs) Which I think is the biggest issue that young women today are dealing with. And I have a lot of personal experience with internalized misogyny. I have a lot of experience with thinking that I could not connect with other women. I had a lot of issues getting female friends in high school. Most of my friends were male. And I don't think I necessarily... Well, Rachel was always there. But I couldn't ever, I never had a group of just women that I could hang out with. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I ever, you know, thought that I was unlike other girls. I think if anything, it was a self-deprecating thing where I thought that they were too good for me and like I wasn't worthy of them because I was insecure and was in high school and whatever. But my biggest issue was with internalized misogyny and feeling competitive with women Mm -hmm. in other women's spaces you know, whether that was academically competitive, intellectually competitive, physically competitive, like, and that's something I still deal with to this day that I have to kind of, I know that unlearn isn't technically a word, but I'm going to use it here because I can't think of a better word, um, that I have to unlearn. Like when I interact with women in my classes or in my academic spaces at college, like there's immediately, I feel that like sense of like that twinge of, oh, like, only one of us can be successful. There's only yeah. enough space for a few women to make it to the top, and that one of them has to be me. And that's such a, that's such a patriarchal, you know, way of thinking. 
um, to think that only a few women out of a, a group can be successful. And that's something that we need to eradicate. And so I think that that feeling of like, I'm not like other girls comes from a similar place of internalized misogyny of thinking poorly about women needing some male approval because that's just how society has worked it's worked off of the validation from the patriarchy you know needing to put down other women and not associate oneself with them so that you can be more masculine so that you can be more likable you can be more successful all of these traits that we you know socially associate with masculinity and not mm-hmm. that we not with femininity so yeah i i really dislike when people say that um because to me it's just a sign of like one struggle with internalized misogyny but that's such a big deal i think that's the biggest way misogyny presents itself in a lot of our lives uh, you know wi- like women all women kind of universally i think experience that to an extent i would yeah. say yeah yeah i think that is that is a really big problem that we're all collectively facing when you talked about how you feel in spaces that like only one woman can come out of this succeeding and you feel that competitive spirit it reminded me of the fact that a lot of women when they become successful like masculinize themselves in order Mm -hmm. to be taken seriously and it reminded me of hillary clinton and how she was like this super powerful smart woman who if she was a man would have probably won and been elected but because she was a woman people didn't trust her because she seemed like cold and bitchy and whatever and Mm -hmm. like i don't know how much of that was hillary is kind of a masculine woman or how much of it was hillary forced herself to become masculine because that was the only way people would take her seriously and once she became masculine people still didn't take her seriously because now she isn't woman enough to be woman is not to be able to to be respected but then if you become like a man they don't trust you because you oh so you're hiding something because you aren't really a woman anymore and there's no way to win that's why legally blonde is one of my favorite movies oh my god i love legally blonde i watched it so much as a little kid i know what you're gonna say and i totally agree (laughs) yes no we need to associate femininity with success and smarts and intelligence and power you know 100 percent once foregoes her oh my gosh she never did to the top she loves pink i love pink she's a cute little dog i want a cute little dog she's a badass lawyer maybe i'll become a lawyer like (laughs) she doesn't need to sacrifice her feminine no i i mean i felt my whole life people see my femininity as cute Mm -hmm. and as weak and as i'm not as smart and i've always been just as smart as the guys in my classes if not smarter and i always have felt like they haven't taken me seriously especially in stem classes and econ classes my intro econ class was like 90 percent men and i always felt like the professor thought what i was saying was really smart my female professor but i didn't feel the same respect from my from my male fellow oh yeah yeah with male professors or male uh employers or whatever definitely if you present very very feminine there's an issue or or like there's like some kind of assumption that you're difficult or dainty that's why i loved seeing i don't know if you saw this on youtube um aoc did her like skincare makeup routine yeah and i loved seeing that because like she is embracing femininity in a lot of ways you know she does her like classic red lipstick look it's great she never foregoes her the you know her Uh, her beauty preferences just because she you know male politicians expect her to be like the i don't even know like a man (laughs) but she's not and i like that then she talks so openly about it and and it doesn't take her talking about cosmetics shouldn't take away from her credibility as like a political person you know what i mean and i think some people might think that it would but yeah you can we have to stop associating femininity with like weakness and start associating it with success just like with you know 
going back to the original question really quickly about never getting along with girl groups, we have to stop associating, like, we can, we can dislike people and not click with people, and that can be separate from their gender identity, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, maybe you just don't get along with a particular set of girls, not because they're girls, but because yeah. whatever, like, certain people are not going to gel well together. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with you. Something about AOC skincare routine we as a society take feminine or female associated hobbies and we make them seem like they're for they're stupid or they're trivial Mm -hmm. because they're associated with women so like skincare which is actually so powerful like if you care about skincare not just women one it's for everybody but also like makeup it's it's taking care of yourself and it prevents like skin cancer if you're using sunscreen which pretty much everyone who's into skincare does Mm -hmm. and it also is just a great source of hygiene whatever but other associated things like makeup is very creative and fun and helps you express yourself whatever these hobbies that are associated with women when women like those stereotypically female hobbies they're they're like seen as stupid and then you take these like male associated hobbies like i don't know let's say hunting or like shooting at those boards when you go to you pay to like shoot a gun to shoot those (laughs) like a shooting i don't know what it's called a shooting range and that's, like, so tough and cool and smart. I just don't see why you're, like, a smarter person because you're shooting that paper yeah. versus, like, doing makeup. And I'm done with it. I want people to take me seriously because mm-hmm. I'm very smart and I'm very feminine. And mm-hmm. I I want I want to be able to do both. I mean... I want to wear sparkly eyeshadow and walk <laughs> into my philosophy class and not be judged by people, by men, or by sometimes other women because of my feminine presenting choices. That shouldn't, it just, yeah, it shouldn't matter. Um, How is my eyeshadow different than your hair gel, man? Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So let's start associating femininity with seriousness and success and not like, I also feel like sometimes people think it's childish. I don't know. Yeah. But people always like to think, like, put women in the position of children. So that's, you know, just another battle we need to fight. Did you have anything else to say about this? No, I know I had a lot to say. I, (laughs) it's, there's so much to talk about on that topic, but no, I'm. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe we'll reignite some of it. I want to talk about this because it's kind of like a funny, it's a a funnily worded question, but about Mm -hmm. a serious topic. And I think, I feel like this was asked by a man. Uh, Maybe I'm making an assumption, so I'm not completely sure. They asked, how does one respectfully look at your boobs? <laughs> and the the quick answer to this is you don't like you don't but <laughs> no the quick answer, <laughs> the quick answer is with respect which means asking and like I, I, don't, I don't mean listen I'm not saying <laughs> a stranger imagine? goes up and asks you I'm saying that if you're really talking about how do you respectfully do it I would never look at a guy's dick yeah. who I was not like were there you know what I mean like there was an, some sort of understanding so I think they're really res- there is a difference between like looking and a glance like sometimes that's true people people like you see a beautiful person who's like really really beautiful you see them in public you don't want to stare because that's weird and you know not cool um but you kind of give them a glance you're like well wow, this beautiful person you move on with your day I guess the same kind of principle is with boobs. Like, I can't, we can't, I can't police what people are looking at. I'm gonna tell, not gonna tell you not to. Yeah. But like, if I'm you not want gonna to tell respectfully, to. I don't know if glance. you can respectfully. <laughs> I don't think you, that's what I was saying like, before. Like, you can't really respectfully, but, you know, there is a difference between a glance and a look. And let me tell you, we notice when people look. 
And I don't know what goes through people's heads when they're, like, looking. Like, do they think I don't notice? Do they think I'm okay with it? Do they think they make, they make Do they think that in some way it makes me feel good about myself? Because it <laughs> only makes me uncomfortable. That's the only I've never guarantee. been looked at like that. The In my experience as, uh, you know, being a larger-chested woman, yeah, people look, and they're there, and they're kind of obvious, so I can't exactly say, don't look at me at all when I'm in public, because I can't control that, and people are going to do that, and people are going to look, and I don't really care if people give me a glance give my boobs a glance but yeah a look a long stare I notice it and I don't know what people expect me to do when they do that I have looked at people back before like made eye contact with them and they get very embarrassed and I'm like oh you're embarrassed now you shouldn't have been doing that and I don't know if you really want to look at boobs like do it on the internet I guess but you know you should pay sex workers I would say you can't respectfully look but I think this kind of leads into a conversation about like objectification and women's bodies and Rachel and I were actually having a discussion about this before we started recording that I thought was really interesting that maybe we could continue if she's willing the fixation like the social fixation on women's bodies and we kind of talked about this a bit with body hair Mm-hmm. And you brought up when you're talking about body hair weight and how you hadn't necessarily always been concerned about your weight or it hasn't been a major insecurity for you. I mean, that too. It's just that body hair was always number yeah. one. <laughs> I mean, everybody has like a major, you know, something that really bugs them about themselves. And I have been insecure about my weight in the past um, as a self-identified thick girl. It's just like, you know, something that I am exposed to a lot on social media and with TikTok especially is that it's just never enough. Like, I see young women get shit if they're too thin. I see young women get shit if they're too thick. You know what I mean? Like, you're never going to win. Everybody is always going to have some opinion. Yeah, big boobs or small boobs. It's like everybody's always going to have an opinion about your body, which is very frustrating. Also, we are being shown these unattainable um standards especially on, on tiktok where a lot of the people are are like 14 yeah like exactly like so many of the in TikTok puberty of course are they're like thin. pubescent like you know when you're like a 20 20 21 year old 22 year old woman and you're looking at that it's gonna be hard to look like you know how you did when you were a literal child <laughs> like your body changes as you grow up and this is the issue with how we fetishize like little girls and that physique in our society is that's like for most adult women that is unattainable yeah i don't know just this like fixation on women's bodies like you can never win you know you, you're I- never gonna look like what ads look like and you're never gonna look like how influences look like on Instagram. You know, you're never gonna look like the twelve-year-old girls dancing on TikTok because they're twelve and you're a grown <laughs> woman. Um, so I've decided to just give up and just yeah. I remember when we were when you were dog sitting for me and we had that talk in the car about body positivity and how we think the body positivity movement is a little flawed because it shouldn't be about how everybody is beautiful. It should be about women not needing to be beautiful to be valid and like instead of saying oh everybody's so beautiful it's like can we disassociate beauty from women's bodies and just let people be human and have bodies and not have to be beautiful and not have some standard for beauty because when we say all women's bodies are beautiful I mean obviously women are beautiful and that's amazing and also let's stop making the narrative about women's looks 
Yeah. And, like, I, how, oh, like, thick women can be sexy, too. Like, why do women have to be sexy to be valid? Why do yeah. we care? I mean, Surprise. I... Surprise. Like, women have more to <laughs> offer than their beauty. <laughs> yeah, I would much rather someone tell me that they thought I was really smart or thoughtful than beautiful. And I just, I mean, it's a really wonderful movement in in that it is validating a lot of people's bodies. And I know that currently it's hard to take that out of your mind, like wanting to be beautiful. So I get it that everyone wants to feel beautiful and it's good to say that we're all beautiful and we are, but I think to make an even larger stride, we should, we should totally change the narrative. Yeah. Cause we would yeah. never say something like that about guys. We would never be yeah, like, no. all guys are beautiful. Guys would be like, no, I'm like, I'm successful. Like I'm tough. Yeah. Like, I think, you know, all people are beautiful in their uniqueness. Like, mm-hmm. I think the fact that people look so different from each other and, you know, I, you know, I think that that's a beautiful thing. But yeah, we definitely should go, should hopefully maybe in the next century or so, a few decades, turn away from body positivity and more towards like body neutrality, where it's just like yeah. what you look like is not what matters. <laughs> what matters yes. is the kind of person you are and like your heart and your compassion and not what's on the outside and like you can still believe that you are beautiful like nobody can take that away from you and you can still believe that other people are beautiful but it shouldn't be maybe we should go yeah like go in a different direction where it doesn't matter because all people are worth loving and worthy of existing (laughs) that's definitely you know a conversation I hope we're in the direction of because it seems weird yeah there's just this hyper fixation on women's bodies and also in women's sexuality which Rachel and I were discussing a little bit mm-hmm. like I think we as yeah as zillennials this is the buzzword <laughs> of this episode I love that kind zillennials of zillennials talk <laughs> femininity should be like the title <laughs> of yeah this oh my god okay I'll do that but yeah I think like now we've seen this narrative shift in t- in, in terms of women's sexuality and female sexuality towards like empowerment and sexual liberation and that's taking also a toxic direction because now it's like oh if you aren't willing to like have sex with a bunch of people then you're not embracing your your femininity you're not being empowered um which is still missing the point like Mm-hmm. Yes, now we are in a position where as a woman you are free to do that without as much judgment, you know, in the sense of like a few just a few decades ago you couldn't do that without, you know, being labeled a slut or a whore or whatever. And that was bad, you know. But it's all about f- like female agency, and this is like a big part of feminism, I think, is women having the choice to live the life that they want. And without being judged, whether that's a life of domesticity, you know, if you are a woman and you want to be a homemaker, you want to have kids, you want to have the entire traditional lifestyle, you have a choice to do that. And if you, if you are, want to live a completely unconventional life, you have the freedom to do that because that's what feminism is all about. It's not about forcing women into one way of living that we perceive as being like so liberated and so free from social constraints it's about giving women the option to live however they want (laughs) and respecting people for whatever choices they make yeah definitely um i actually have two more questions well so one of these i think we've we can easily tie into the rest of this but it's what does strength mean to you oh i like that and i think Elle woods is such a great example of this because Mm -hmm. strength to me is kind of like bravery and who you are 
and resilience in who you are and what you believe in and then like persevering through hard things as that i i mean elle woods was like a huge role model for me growing up i loved those movies they're my favorite movies and and like when i think of a strong woman i think about any woman no matter what she looks like or is into who just knows who they are and is it has confidence and pride and can face the world's problems and obstacles from that mm-hmm. what do you think yeah i definitely agree did you watch um i'm sure you did you saw aoc's speech i did <laughs> yeah that is like i won't like speak to any specific talking points or anything but being willing to and unafraid to call out those injustices i mean it's just so empowering to watch yeah you know and I feel like her doing that was just obviously like a big moment for her and you know her integrity but also like just for women across America because it's so often that we accept comments like that and we are kind of become submissive to them um, because that's largely how we're socialized like be sweet and be kind and polite like a young lady you know be demure and be I guess like they say that maybe as a girl you should be above it like you should sticks and stones to break my bones I'm a polite lady and whatever um but fuck that because you deserve to advocate for yourself yeah in one way or another like no matter who you are like no matter how you identify you deserve your voice and you deserve to speak up for yourself and when you're someone like AOC who has the power and platform to Mm -hmm. speak out against it I mean she's putting her own popularity in congress among those old guys (laughs) at stake in order to set a new precedent for how you treat Mm-hmm. women and yeah i've heard a lot of backlash against it from women who have said against her speech who have said she should have just not said anything it's so dramatic of her to say anything the same old you know words that we always have used to put down other women she's such a bitch for having said anything like she's just confirming that he said she was a bitch she really yeah. is one because she called him out in front of everyone she should have done that one-on-one and then the issue becomes oh this woman didn't act how we wanted her to and not this man completely disrespected another member of congress excuse me that's Mm -hmm. the problem at hand it's not how someone handles it it's like people right now who say you know some people are looting in the black lives matter protests and the discussion is now everyone is looting and the black lives matter protests are invalid because there are a few looters and it's no longer about police brutality and racism which is what matters like i'm sorry the looting is not the main problem right now Mm -hmm. but it's completely gotten pushed over yeah i mean again i just find it so shocking that women are constantly expected to just like absorb the abuse that they receive and like yeah like it's an issue if we raise a complaint about it whether that's workplace harassment or you know i want to include trans women in this conversation too like if trans women are, are misgendered or forced to use the wrong bathroom or something like that it's like perceived as some kind of nuisance to have that brought up or raised to people's awareness or like yeah like being dramatic or something but republicans gotta make it everybody's business when like they don't want to wear a mask for some reason we said we wouldn't make it a heavy podcast and here we are (laughs) (laughs) we're very passionate (laughs) i know we are very passionate young women and yeah this is these are just what our natural conversations look like for the most part so this is how we talk to each other we we get passionate and we make each other feel 
passionate. Did you have one more question? My last question is, how do you want a man to act walking behind you? Like, late at night <laughs> on the street? Because it was this oh man on Reddit Not who was weird. like, I was walking by this woman, and I felt like I made her uncomfortable. And, like, how, what would the ideal way to, what is the ideal way to walk? And I think it's to kind of stop and give them, like, more space to walk way further ahead of you. Mm-hmm. So that you're not, like, as close behind them, slash, to, like, go yeah. to the other side of the street. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the unfortunate thing is that a lot of, there are good, lots of good men out there. And the reality is that we as women have to be mm-hmm. cautious and have to protect ourselves. And sometimes that can negatively impact the good men out there. Um, you know, which we, we So good men talk exist. to the bad men about how they should stop raping women and then yeah, you don't have good to, men call out to your, cross the street. <laughs> call out your friends when they, when they say misogynistic stuff, you know, when they make rape jokes, when they when say, they refer like, demeaning to their things about girls women. they have over as, I had this bitch over. Yeah, so call them out. That's how you can <laughs> make me feel more comfortable when you walk behind <laughs> When you're me. behind me, shout to me, hey, I called out my homie the other day when he said a misogynistic thing. <laughs> Maybe don't shout anything at me if it's no, nighttime don't. and you're walking behind me. But also, I think to those men, I would also say not to be offended. Yeah. By women being cautious, I think some men, like, get hurt by that because, like, well, I'm one of the good ones. or And, like, I'm sure you are. But, the, you know, reality is I got to protect myself and um, I have to be cautious because of, you know, one too many negative experiences and how common it is to be harassed yeah, or assaulted or any of these horrific experiences. And I think it's just to understand where that where that comes from, where that nervousness comes from and that we're doing it to protect ourselves but ultimately like if you're a good guy i'm sure that will become apparent and it'll be okay but yeah i i agree with your advice to the initial question just maybe give some distance <laughs> yeah any any final thoughts no it was really great to to talk to you about this again it's it's an ongoing conversation we've had for many years and it's wonderful mm-hmm. to to touch base and as we share how you know, our thoughts have changed and developed, especially from, you know, our, like our academic careers have taught us a lot. And yeah, it's nice to have this discussion. And I hope that you all, our listeners, enjoy listening to it and it gives you some food to food for thought. And if you ever have any, you know, advice, any questions that you need advice on. <laughs> or topics, I guess. Hopefully we are getting better at this format and getting more comfortable and warming up to it. I think that we did a better job. Yeah, each week relaxed. we improve and we learn, and, you know, maybe by week 20, we'll have, like, like 10 <laughs> listeners. Exactly. We have nine Maybe right we'll now, have so. 20. <laughs> so, yeah, for so with that, um, I want to give a final rest in power to the wonderful Ruth Bader Ginsburg for all of her work, hard work. And I also want to say that trans women are women. That is all. Any other, any thoughts for you? No, I think that's a wonderful way to end it. Perfect. Well, we'll see you all in the next episode of Pushing 20. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.